0: Hey, uh, we are shit. Another segment. Hey, it's, it's, a, a it's segment. another Baldi's. Another another deliberation Baldy segment. We did biggest miss, right? Yeah, that's where we left off. <clears> set yesterday. me up for failure, you son of a bitch! No, All right, so here's a new for, category. I don't set you up for the surprise of the next category. I, I think this is a new. This is a this is a Baldi's 2017 OG original. No, OG would be an uh, would be the opposite. Yeah. Of an original. This would be something. This would be the
1: the best returning category. Yeah. We need to do some meta categories. This would be the best debut
0: or pilot category.
1: We're, we're what, four years into this? I feel like it's time to start introducing meta categories.
0: Best bald move category that didn't (laughs) return this year. Right, right. Uh, so, biggest stakes, highest risks, and we intended to set Rick and Morty and Star Wars as counterexamples of things, because we tried to, you know, anytime we got these categories, we should do the deliberation deliberations, where we actually argue about why this stuff shouldn't be in here, and what this category, and why do we need this new category, but yeah, we're trying to think of things that, um, I so, so... Why aren't Rick and Morty and Star Wars fitting in the highest stakes, biggest risk? Because... For for me,
1: Star Wars doesn't fit in there because they're doing it every single... In the last two years, we've had three Star Wars movies.
0: Yeah. So if they fuck one up, they will. Continue. They've just got another yeah. one
1: coming out in six months. Yeah, like,
0: it's like the weather in the Midwest. If you don't like it, wait a day or two and it'll change. Exactly. Wait, wait six months and you'll have the solo movie. Whereas, like a lot of other things on this list, like
1: there's a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, and they're only really going to do it like once. Like Blade Runner, Blade Runner was a beloved franchise, and not even a franchise, right? Like a beloved film from 30 years ago. Right,
0: there's no possible reason to remake it.
1: No real reason to remake it, and it has such, like, this bar of you need to make this great or everybody's gonna hate you. Yeah. Um, Star Wars doesn't feel like that anymore to me because they're gonna make these things once a year for the rest of your life. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Or until they stop making money. And the same with Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty in the pilot episode was conceived as a long-running 100 years Rick and Morty. Like, you know, like, they're... (laughs) Rick and Morty will always come back so long as it is popular and it gets good ratings, although more on right. that here in a minute, uh, oh, perhaps. No. Um But so let's talk about The Leftovers. What was the highest stakes risk of The Leftovers?
1: I feel like this is a very personal one for us in this category because The Leftovers is not a huge show, right? There's not no. like a, a billion people watching it like Game of Thrones. So if if they completely fuck it up, you know, not that many people probably care aside from Me, you, and probably Damon Lindelof. Right. And I felt like... But but the biggest risk part of it is, holy shit, what if Damon Lindelof bungles the end of another series? Right. Especially since... Like Lost was bungled.
0: The the sublime thing about it is both seasons previous would have been admirable series finales. Right. Like, they could have ended season one at the end with... uh, um, The fire, the big... Well no and like uh even Nora coming um home and oh, finding yeah, the yeah. baby and like uh-huh. look cuz that's how the novel ends and right. it was a self-contained story done. Season 2 had a very nice arc and wrapped up in a satisfying manner and I remember thinking like if this is the end of the leftovers then this is a great season. So coming back on such a controversial polarizing small show with the reputation of Lindelof cuz that's every single time he came back it's like even though I had a lot of faith in going to the third season, it's like, man, is he going to continue to be able to resist the temptation of sticking to his sci-fi, you know, sticking to his guns and, and um, you know, keeping it about the human element and the, the, the meditation on grief and depression and, and not try to explain things and not try to sci-fi things up. And, and my estimation succeeded. It seems like that's certainly the majority view. Yeah, and it got harder every year because every yeah. year the show got better. So like my
1: expectations
0: and as going the universe built, three, there was less. There was much more. He was paint. It's, they they painted themselves into a corner with that show, right? Because um, every year you go by with Kevin doing weird shit, mm-hmm. it's harder and harder to not explain that or to. That's true. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like it's uh-huh. like it's like it, it is like this trap this this crazy trapeze thing that they just kept on building higher and higher. Right. <laughs> right. So. You know the
1: the possibility the likelihood of really sticking that third season landing was not very high in my mind. like it, it just becomes this really big monumental task. So when they nailed it, th- that's what this category is all about, right? Like how hard was the thing you're trying to do? yeah, and how well did you do it? yeah and, and I feel like leftovers for me was a huge bar, but it wasn't it wasn't a huge bar for everyone, right? right. So you know you have you have to take it, I guess in context.
0: Uh, Stranger Things 2 was another one a lot like The Leftovers, where the Duffers had, over a decade, however long (laughs) they've been thinking about science fiction together, um, to come up with this fantastic universe and story, this love letter to 80s science fiction and Steven Spielberg, and then to turn it around in less than a year Mm -hmm. and bring it back and try to please everyone and hopefully go bigger and better and and i was scared because i listened to them on on the harmontown podcast like months after like a month or two after stranger things had wrapped and they were like yeah no this is scary shit (laughs) this is following up your freshman album with the you know that you've had Mm -hmm. years to work and polish and write songs and come back with the sophomore and uh, and they didn't have to because Stranger Things again was a completely self-contained story. It did have breadcrumbs that could be yeah. easily interpreted interpreted as, you know, like like at the end of Jaws, if they had another fin that goes da dump does that mean there's another Jaws, or just like, hey, stay out of the water because there's still sharks in it, right? Like when when Will. Does the thing at the end that could just be like, you know, like the the, the stinger at the horror film that lets you know, hey, you, you got to still sleep with the closet doors closed and, and don't look under your bed. And, right. this, and they did it. They did it.
1: Yeah. And where like leftovers was a really personal thing for mm-hmm. me, like the personal bar, Um, Stranger Things was a public bar. Like, yeah. holy shit, that show got so popular so fast right. overnight. And it was, in my mind, like almost a perfect season of television. Yeah. There there were zero flaws with the first season of Stranger Things. Yeah. So to come back and try and do that again and do it bigger and better yeah. seemed like an impossible task, and I was so scared that they were going to fuck it up.
0: Uh, so the other spectrum is things like the Mystery Science Theater 3000 reboot that was on Netflix this year, where that's more of a combination of this is a sleeping dog,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that it could have been left to lie, and... Mike Nelson at all from Mystery Science Theater 3000 have moved on to Rift Tracks. They are still doing Mystery Science Theater 3000, on in a different brand. True, yeah. So the the opportunity to Russell Jimmy's was super high amongst this fandom. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you haven't seen hardly any of them. Any of them? I don't. I, I think I've seen part of one. Like I felt like it was a pretty rough start because I felt, and, and as a person who's done riffs, mm-hmm. like I've done, I've got a couple under my belt now, and also every time we do live watches of uh, The Walking Dead, it's essentially a a, riff, a live riff tracks. Yeah. There is a temptation, like you'll remember when we did the Star Trek episode, to just pack it to the rafters with this riff, 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 riff. Oh, it's been 15 seconds, so we've got to force a riff in there. Yeah. If you do that, it does a couple things. Number one, it destroys any kind of rhythm. Mm-hmm. Like like, you know, if you say something funny and you don't let it kind of land and you don't have a build up to it, then it's like, you know, it just, just becomes white noise. And I felt like <laughs> yeah. a few of the early ones had that kind of nervous not quite not quite sure of ourselves that we've got the best material, like so shove it all in there and then later ones got real good. In fact, the Italian Hercules is some of the best. Like, it's probably a top mm-hmm. ten of all time, Mystery Science Theater 3000, in my opinion. And I always... Uh, ve- most of the time, I thought the the host segments of Mystery Science Theater 3000 were pretty cringy. Yeah, yeah. There's a few notable ones. Like, I thought some of the work they did with, uh, like, uh, Lampooning Canada in, uh, like, uh, The Final Sacrifice was pretty good, Um but a lot of them, it's just like Jesus Christ. Can we just get back to the riffing? I thought the most of the host segments here were solid, and that helps that you had Patton Oswald and um, uh, God damn it, the Guild Girl Felicia Day. Felicia Day. Um, the other guys were just okay, you know. Like the you've, you've, the, the central star of Mister Steins has always been the kind of a schlubby guy
2: mm-hmm.
0: who's not particularly charismatic, um, and uh, yeah, and they're, they're a little bit bigger budget like like they execute the low budget science fiction at a much higher budget. Does that make sense? I I know cuz I've seen it so yes, I okay. get what you're saying. But okay. Yeah. It's tough to explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but no, I thought the I I thought it was good and that's kind of an amazing Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. I
1: mean, I kind of talked about it, but it's, you know, this beloved movie that's it's only been done once and everybody loves it who's seen it and it's there's no real reason to bring it back, other than we want to cash in on what we had with Blade Runner. And you're going to bring it
0: back with not even—it's not even a Ridley Scott film.
1: Uh is I—I I don't know, I don't know if that's true. Is oh that true? no,
0: I was making. I mean, sh- not, yeah, it's not a Ridley Scott film. It's Darren Aronofsky, wasn't it? Okay. Um, I
1: don't know. I legitimately don't. Oh, know. so
0: I was like, that was another risky element that you're going to come back yeah. with a. It'd be like if someone just came back and made a Star Wars <laughs> without George Lucas before. Oh wait, oh, it was Dennis oh, Villan- wait, Villanova who made it, right? Um, but yeah, I felt like it was super risky because there, you know, Blade Runner, everyone, everyone loves. I I watched Blade Runner again, and the parts that hold up really hold up. You know, there's other parts that maybe don't don't hold up as much, but it's still such an influential piece of science fiction filmmaking, bringing it back is, uh, you know, sometimes you you, you you get nervous about disturbing those kind of remains. And I, I think of all of the questions, I guess, that people
1: had leading up to the release of it, you know, about what, what part... Uh, Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford. What is his name, Deckard? Deckard, yeah. Uh, in the movie, uh, what part he was going to play, whether he's going to be a replicant or not, and there were, like, a lot of... A lot of opportunities to really fuck that up. Yeah, and I don't think they did. I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine was a really good movie. So, and then finally, John Wick. John Wick. No, absolutely no
0: reason to make a second John Wick. Right. In fact, <laughs> no reason at all. Like just coming up with the motive. Like the like it, the the first John Wick was such a pure action film, and mm-hmm. that it had such a simple concept. This is a man who had lost his wife and she bought him a puppy to deal with that grief and some asshole in the form of Theon Greyjoy mm-hmm. murdered his puppy and fucked up his car and he just spends the rest of his film making good on that that, that red getting that red out of his ledger. Yeah. Um or putting more red into lots of people's ledgers. Um and yeah, and, and and like
1: And it was this very tight, like self contained thing yeah. that didn't need any more
0: story. Yeah. And they – I mean, I don't know that John Wick 2 was as successful, mm-hmm. but it certainly did not disgrace itself. And no. it sets up what could be a potentially very cool trilogy. In fact, yeah. if it, if the third one is not a disgrace, it's probably his most successful trilogy. Like – Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it certainly wouldn't be like Speed <laughs> or anything. Well, he was – he, I'm talking yeah. about the I – I'm mean, comparing it to The Matrix. Right. Like, I think The Matrix is way better than John Wick, but Matrix 2 – I think the Matrix Two would have been okay if Matrix Three was not a, just a, a just a completely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but
0: it's a much harder thing to do, much yes. much harder than just yes.
1: Keanu is going to go kick some ass.
0: Yes, I will say that making Matrix Two and Three was would have been on the highest stakes, biggest race. It just yeah. wouldn't have paid off, maybe not quite as much. Yeah, uh, because the end of the Matrix is a self-contained movie. Like right. you know, uh, Neo was now a superhero. That's a cool concept to think about, but you didn't need to follow it up. Right. Um, the machines are done. Yeah, and Neo's gonna go kick their ass. So we got five contenders for this year category. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tempting just to maybe like I like is anything going to change? And also, how do we score this? Is this the best? Is this is the best of this category? In which case, I why are we not giving the leftovers? Or are no, we got some I mean, kind of velocity between yeah. the the stakes and the payoff? Yeah, absolutely. Like how. How crazy
1: of it was a? How crazy was it of a thing to do, and how well did they hit it? How well did they nail it? Um, and for me,
0: I don't know that honestly, sheds much more light onto the situation because who? What, what do you think was the biggest? So, so risk the leftovers of
1: these? is not a huge risk to me because. They'd already done it Personally, it is for me, Mm -hmm. um, but to the audience at large, I don't think it was even on the radar. Right. So many people could not care less about The Leftovers. Um, I I just don't think it was that big of a risk. Now, there is the argument to be made about Damon Lindelof himself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you come off of Lost, and you do this as a follow-up thing, and then suddenly you bungle the end of
0: this. right. Now Especially you're since tu- you're talking he, about, you would kind of shook in that monkey the previous yeah. two seasons. Every time you go to, but but they would that monkey was he, he didn't die. He he was <laughs> right. in the green room the whole time, uh-huh. waiting to be called back out to jump right back on your back. Right, and you just invited it.
1: Yeah, you invited yeah. it and said, "No, nah,
0: monkey, I, like I'm going to stand here with my back turned to you, right. but you're not going to jump on right it. with with a with a handful of bananas in <laughs> right. my in my front pocket and just yeah. just stay off my back." So uh, for him personally, I think it was a, a huge risk. And for you, right, our, uh, our fandom, I think, because the stakes, personal stakes for me, was I thought that there was a potential if they really nailed the third season that it might be dethrone de- the wire as my my, fa- my personal favorite show of all time. Because...
1: Hmm, okay. Well, we'll have to unlike talk about things, that Unlike
0: things like Breaking Bad that are merely... Excellent television shows breaking uh, the wire always had that, like the importance, at least to me, because the wire is one of the things that really kind of levered my politics into a different into a different spot Hmm. and really had me rethink about how I saw the world and the people in it Um, and 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 and, uh, all of our places in it. Uh, But I feel like the leftovers had that, too, because, Hmm. no, it's not talking about the fundamental problems with, you know, 20th century and 21st century America. But it kind of is like like the the our our emotional maturity as a people and a nation, I don't know has grown as fast as our interconnectedness, hmm. so like we are being asked to be more empathetic and understanding. Uh, more than ever before, but we still have a lot of the Puritan and button-down fifties that like survivalist kind of sort like. Of just thing. what are you? What are you whining about? Pick yourself up and keep going. Like we are right. becoming aware of of trauma and post-traumatic stress and how it can really cripple people. Um, yeah. And we're forced to deal with things like out of the blue terrorist attacks. So instead of being just soldiers on a battlefield having to deal with it, like it's our lives are are long stretches of boredom punctured by minutes of of terror and uh i think i had a lot of smart things to say about that how you can survive and thrive and 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 move forward in that kind of world yeah i I think it checks the important box off too okay yeah i could buy that argument i
1: mean the 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 personal the personal connection that i felt to leftovers was unlike any other show that i that i saw certainly last year and probably previous to it why because i I know it because like this is a story of of people who have lost their families right and that's essentially what has happened to both you and i um through our religion uh i think like the connection that it made with me over that that topic was far more powerful than a lot uh, anything else i saw on television certainly this year sure so that can't be denied either
0: yeah i wondered if because, I, obviously, in the first season, those things went hand in glove. It was literally about a family being torn apart by a cult. Right, yeah. And not, it, and able not to s- mention, not like, to the,
1: the event itself, right? Like, these people just yes. disappearing from your lives. Yes, so. yes, yes.
0: But this particular family that we focused on, yeah. none of that happened. It was this invisible wall that had torn their family apart, this, like, invisible iron curtain. Right. And, I mean, I fucking relate to that like like, <laughs> like it's my blood. and. Uh-huh. You know, as the series goes by, that becomes less of an important element. But you're right, the grief of that loss um, portrayed through other people and, and other characters remains strong. So yeah. it's because I was thinking about that as as you were talking, like, yeah, why did I still retain that personal connection? Because the cult stuff kind of gets dispensed with fairly early on. But mm-hmm. um, and it's hardly present at all in the third season. Yeah. I mean, it's still definitely
1: influencing those characters decisions. Right. Um right. going into the third season.
0: So. And I think it really you know, like they bring it they they bring it back around yeah. by by the, the end. But yeah, I mean it's it's tough and we'll probably talk about this more in, in the best of category, but uh the leftovers is it's the best thing I've ever seen that I'm nervous to recommend to everybody. <laughs> because it's yeah. just so it's it's like caviar, man. Like if you like caviar, you will spend three hundred dollars to get uh, a, a fucking gram of it, mm-hmm. but or, coca- you know, co- or cocaine, or, <laughs> or cocaine, or, yeah, or cocaine, yeah, the Yeah, uh, but but if you, if it's not for you, it's just gonna make you. It's gonna just make you grit your teeth and, and chew uh-huh. on your fingernails and clean grout for six hours, and <laughs> and nobody wants that. It has a charm of its own. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So that's the thing about the leftovers, and that's why it kind of it, you know they could have really fucked that up, and it would have been personally devastating to me if that show ended on a really sour note. Um, kind of like Stranger Things 2, because I know we have potentially three more seasons of that show, mm-hmm. but Stranger Things 1 connected to me on that nostalgia level like right. nothing else ever has. And here's the most important part of it to me is I feel like this is the last opportunity for a while for a show to do this, because I think the next Stranger Things that comes out about the 80s is going to feel like a rehash. Yeah. Whereas Stranger Things, it, it did... I mean I've seen like a lot of eighties nostalgia come back in the last uh, few years. It's sure. not like it's been absent, but and, and a lot Stranger more Ready Player One. Absolutely. But Stranger Things nailed it in a way that like I don't think I was prepared for. I didn't think was possible. And so when Stranger Things Two comes along and says, We're gonna do this thing again, we're gonna take this thing that you absolutely loved and didn't really need a sequel and we're gonna do it anyway, I was so nervous so nervous that they were just going to f- fuck up this thing that so perfectly encapsulated my yeah. childhood.
0: You know, the next step for the uh, nostalgia train wagon is the Mad Men look at the 80s. Like,
1: from an adult perspective? Well, just
0: how fucked, like, like oh, 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 oh. everyone thinks of the 60s, and, like, you know, I think there was a time where, like, it's the flower children, and, and you know, peace and love and Woodstock, mm-hmm. and, pro- and then Mad Men was, like, peeling back and, like, For a lot of people The 60s were a really terrible time To not be looked back fondly And I bet the 80s There's a lot of similar Because the the 80s You know There's nothing No one Ryan White's not dying of AIDS No In Hawkins uh, Middle School Even though he he, The real life Ryan White Did in Indiana There's uh, you know, rampant Wall Street g- greed and cronyism isn't leading to banking and loan scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an Iran Contra deal that's that's raging in the background. Like, but that all was happening. Yep. That all was happening. And and the the the, the rampant sexism and hob- homophobia and I'm <laughs> not nostalgic for any of no, that. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying, <laughs> but that's like you said. What's the next dose of, I don't mean, make. I don't know that there will be another because I don't think you can get that high. You can't get that dopamine like like every in fact that's one of the things I'm worried about with with Ready Player 1 because it looks like it's just 80s nostalgia with mm-hmm. a thin veneer of plot to kind of justify it whereas But it
1: lacks that that personal connection to me of the setting because like Hawkins Indiana yes, you're right is such a perfect encapsulation of that and
0: my me. understanding of ready player one is it's literally people being nostalgic about the 80s together yeah. whereas hawkins they're they're just in the 80s
1: and i feel like this show doesn't speak to everybody in the same way because if you didn't grow up in the midwest sure you're probably not as nostalgic for that thing you're you're probably more into like skateboarding and you know the shit that hey, was happening is all in bad. california like, or you, new york or, skater
0: girls and stranger things too that's true yeah in fact yeah i felt like that was a little bit of that like they imported some california vibe they didn't the shithole indiana in season
1: two they totally did yeah the the skater girl for sure um but yeah that that was much more of a thing on the west coast at Uh the time and like what was going down in new york you know like the the hip-hop scene and stuff like what that wouldn't speak to
0: me as personally we we need an embarrassing teacher rap by mr clark (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. My name is Mr. Clark, and I'm here to you, we'll say, get a student from New York. I like next doing year. science every day. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be great, uh, but yeah, that I mean, like I said, the the Midwest flair of it all spoke to me.
0: Okay, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Since it was a mixed bag in the execution, I'm, I'm I'm assuming they're going to do another season. I'm really looking forward to that because it seemed like they rounded into uh, good shape. The other thing I enjoyed about Mystery Science Theater 3000 is. Oh, It's hard to get old copies of Mystery Science Theater 3000 that don't look like total shit. Yeah. Um, these just. Did look, they release them on DVD? Even if they did, they were standard deaf at the time. That's true. So it's like you're yeah. only going to get so good. And these just all look just, just amazing. Um, and they're not distracting that way. And they're, they're, they're able to do a lot of fun things with, uh, Like, uh, Tom Servo being able to interact with the environment because he could, like, float around the stage and and do, like, visual gags that way that they, you know, I don't think they had the shadow box technology to do that back in their Minnesota cable access days. (laughs) Uh, But I I feel like it feels to me like Mr. Science Theater 3000, that's got to be at the bottom because the execution was uneven. It was a brave and risk, and I think it paid off, but I... I would argue everything else on this list executed
1: at a higher level,
0: yes, so by that and it also wasn't that big a risk. I mean, like joel Hodgson, Hodgson was involved, and you know Mike and the guys are already doing their fucking thing over on rift tracks, and I didn't think that there's animosity behind that and it was it' was also a public kickstarter, so um they they raised like Netflix. Uh, did well, a Kickstarter for no? They, they the Kickstarter was the was a resurrect Mystery Science Theater three thousand, and I do believe Netflix then won the rights to distribute that thing. Oh, okay, and probably mm-hmm. kicked in cash too. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it goes to the bottom now. Leftovers and Stranger Things one A one B, like I feel like almost that's that that one tweak did it for me. Hmm, because I'm thinking like
1: Blade Runner is is pretty high up there uh just because of i guess the built-in love like a lot of people love blade runner and it it has been around for so long and there's been so much discussion about it and people have definite ideas on what they think uh is going on in blade runner and to bring it back especially with like Paul Gosling at the front of it. Ryan Gosling. Uh, or yeah, Ryan Gosling. Um, his, his brother Paul. His brother Paul. Yeah, yeah. his identical twin brother Paul, who <laughs> sometimes
0: stands in for him when he <laughs> needs to do some heavy lifting and acting. Yeah, the equivalent Gosling. He's not even the lesser <laughs> Gosling, <laughs> right? Uh, he got an eighty-seven percent on the thermometer. Okay, so hmm. I feel like because I, I I thought I remembered that this was a little bit more controversial. Uh, 81% on the audience score. So, like, it did seem almost to get universal praise. I know there's some people that had problems with it, but... I enjoyed it. I mean, fuck! I love signs. I actually thought it surpassed the original Blade Runner. Right. I feel like
1: a lot of a lot of the criticisms are nitpicks. Like, yes, we don't like that you explained this stuff with Deckard, or uh, like, or it's slow, or, or it's slow. Yeah. Well, even you like, said I, like I some had a of huge the, problem
0: with some of the pacing, and whereas I and thought scenes. the pacing was vital to the point they were trying to make. Right. Right. But so,
1: I mean, thematically, it's hard to it, it's hard to really knock that movie. But you're gonna put it higher than Stranger Things? I don't know. I mean the bar, the bar feels a little bit higher to me, just because Stranger Things is such a new, recent occurrence, whereas yeah. like Blade Runner is this has this built-in love over decades. That's true. That's true. So I'm, or I might just be trying to justify the myself. Stage is not stage Like you can't get a higher the stage the than an
0: international blockbuster movie release, whereas Netflix is. A, as a as a subset of a subset of a stage. Right. You know. Um, ah. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like Leftovers happen on the biggest stage on television. Like HBO. Mm-hmm. So maybe you put Blade Runner above So you're wanting to put Blade Runner above Stranger Things? I could get behind that.
1: I mean, I feel like at this point I'm trying to convince myself not to just put Leftovers at the top of every category. Well, uh... Which sucks because if it deserves
0: it, it deserves it. But yeah, we can't. I mean, that's a horseshit reason to not give something awards. Like we're not, we're not the fucking Emmys over here. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I, I think you can go above mm. Stranger Things. I don't think you can get above the leftovers because this is the Baldies. This isn't some objective. Right, you know that's the problem I'm running into. A thousand industry insiders vote on shit that they haven't seen. This is this is this is our this is our awards, and unfortunately, this isn't going to be one that has audience participation. A lot of these meta categories don't. Um, Okay. So, yeah, I don't know how all that's working. Yeah, Um, because like you, what are you going to have a write-in category for this? (laughs) Like, yeah, if this wasn't the Baldies,
1: if this wasn't our award show, that would probably be number one. Um, Really? Yeah. Because it's way bigger. I mean nobody cares about the leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> except for critics and us. Like
0: what, four, five hundred thousand people watch that show? So we got so we got leftovers. I mean, that's the thing is we didn't invent this category to give another award to the leftovers. No. In fact, the way this worked is we tried to talk ourselves out of including it, but we realized that if the category is valid at all, like the leftovers hit every one of the criteria we were trying to, to get at. Yeah, except for maybe popular appeal. Well, that would, so but that's popular appeal's not part of it. It's just it's just how high how high of a stake is it in your quality versus how much did you have a 3-season contract? Did you commit to th- like like I mean hype I think is part of it though. Yeah, like, like it, 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 yeah, it has to be a combination of how high you are stepping off of a platform mm-hmm. and how much you have to step off that platform. Like like Blade Runner s- satisfies both of that because it's it's a widely acclaimed f- film that has been dormant for years. Nobody was clamoring. There's not a online petition. Right. Uh there's not a studio trying to resurrect it for a franchise. It's just it's this is a this is you walking off a cliff cuz you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think Season 3 Leftovers is the same way. Uh you're right. It doesn't have a high it doesn't have as high of exposure but the quality the quality cliff like season two of the leftovers was i said at the time was the best fucking season of television i'd ever seen yeah the only reason i wasn't giving it the best series is like well i, sh- I mean it's fucking two seasons versus the wires five that's kind of shitty right to do to simon uh but but yeah now it's got three seasons i think i'm right re- i think that's the other thing about this baldies is I i do believe i'm ready to say that the leftovers is now Whoa, 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 whoa! Save it for the drama category. My, no, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. I mean, it, who knows if it'll win this year? Oh, come on! Who knows if it'll Get win fucked. this year? <laughs> but okay.
1: If it's the best thing you've ever seen <laughs> on television, period. Yeah, maybe, maybe of all time, maybe of all time. Tale will be there. Maybe
0: 20. I don't know about 2017, but all time, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, yeah, fair, 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 fair criticism. Uh, uh, okay, I, good with I that? think I'm happy with that. Yeah. The return to form category. Oh, shit. Okay, so this is a We're going to have to break these videos up into smaller chunks. There's no way yeah. someone's going to listen to a three-hour video. I mean, we uh, can do that now if you want. Do you want to? Because I feel like I think we already fucked up. We need to We broke broken it up earlier. So I'm cool with keeping running the cameras. I just think we need okay. to... Um, sure. Does you have a, okay, so return to form. So this category is shows or...
1: I guess, movie series that, you that, we had written s- that off. started off really good and got crappy, and we were just like, yeah, we're done with that. And suddenly, out of nowhere,
0: they were relevant again. Yeah. Uh, Fargo. Fargo, um, Fargo lot... didn't have a terrible season two. Like, you know what? It, it so, wasn't as good. There's a thread right now ranking Fargo's, because uh, Noah Hawley said that he was going to take a time off from Fargo, but now he's. I guess he's got a lightning in the bottle because he has recently announced that they're actually working on season four. Oh, no. It's gonna hit like October. Ah, uh, I don't know. Fuck. I I don't think because if, if if every other season of Fargo they have to film during the winter because that's part of the charm. Yeah. So I doubt it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Fargo season two, and this is this is very controversial. But if you listen to our podcast, we don't like season two. We don't like especially the way it did. No, much, wait. certainly. Season two is super good. Mm. That the climax completely left us. Yeah, cold. that alien shit was no, no, not my thing. Season three, the first three episodes tried really damn hard to run me and Jim off. Yeah. And then by doing a lot of really interesting international geopolitical economic mm-hmm. themes, turned out to be one of the more important things that I watched and had. And
1: having a truly menacing villain.
0: Yes, uh, David disturbing
1: Thula's, and disgusting. Part, like and I menacing. had to turn
0: my eyes away <laughs> from the screen at this man's mouth on several occasions. Yeah. Um, it had Ewan McGregor playing a twin character uh, and doing very good space work with that, and characterization aided and abetted by some heroic facial prosthetics and wigs. <laughs> um, it had Carrie Coon's playing a very reserved and and, and generous. Performance where she like I thought the Carrie Coon was just gonna eat everyone else alive. Mm-hmm. I think she could have, but that wasn't her character and what she was there to do. Right? Um. Yeah it it was fucking it was it like it it to me it, there again is another one where, like I was like not super excited about Noah Hawley and starting to think like you know with our body work that we've seen of him you know starting to think like okay not sure if this guy is going to be any more than what i'm seeing already and then he came with like legion and fargo season three and it was was return to form mm-hmm. so that's why he's on this list and again i know this is a minority opinion i was just browsing on the forums on bald move and people were ranking the seasons and i think i'm the only one that went three one two huh I I know I was the only one that I was the first ones like well I guess I'm a weirdo but three two one baby, uh or three one two and and a lot of people be like well you're just a fucking idiot and Fargo two was so much better than Fargo three but it's it's our this is the Baldies not the Everybody's so (laughs) Fargo is on there Mr Robot I think we already discussed yeah in fact some of these things like what 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 did we end up doing with the uh, biggest surprise. Trying to think. Like, if the young pope is going to win the biggest surprise, maybe we should get Mr. Robot and Star Trek Discovery off there because why what's the argument for Mr. Robot and Star Trek Discovery being on the return to form? Because return to form implies it's a surprise, right? Like isn't that just double dipping for them? Kind of. Yeah. Um
1: I, I think you're right for the same reason we took off the one i can't think of
0: i don't think i think i stopped taking them off we might have to clean that up for the the actual show yeah but uh i'm gonna so i guess i'm gonna um put reopen the biggest that? surprise
1: date or d-
0: debate no i'm just going to put i'm gonna i'm gonna italicize things that are more of a return to form and then we will see what happens uh, so Fargo, Mr. Robot. We already everything we said or stands for this. Uh, if you didn't listen to that segment, essentially, we thought Mr. Robot two was a disappointment, building on the promise of season one. And season three found the way to take the threads that were important from season two, make them even better, and pay off both the crazy speculation people had put on, and also the the hopes for a more mundane, rooted in reality show in a way I didn't think it was possible. Like I thought. I thought there some part of the fan base was going to be alienated. Mm-hmm. Like, the time the, the, the Doctor I mean, it's Who clear. Time, either is going to be the Doctor Too Who timeline or the Time Lords or is going to be the autistic hackers. One of those
1: audiences was going to be fucking livid about how things yeah, happen. They're They're stringing along, everybody. And I can tell you this is going to be a lost scenario where we get to the end and one of two things happens and the audience and half the audience goes, fuck this show. Half the audience goes, yes, that's exactly what I wanted.
0: Counterpoint, Leftovers. Okay. Because there was a minority of the people, and it's a very small minority because it was a small audience to begin with, but a small I, minority of people said they are disappointed, but the majority of people, whether you thought one thing or the other happened, still loved the way that they everything left came it thematically and emotionally. They
1: left it ambiguous in a way that I don't think Mr. Robot can do, because Mr. Uh, Robot is talking about very concrete things here, right? True, and Sam Asimov said, Not this like, is
0: going somewhere. I've got big plans <laughs> right. where Lindelof was like, fuck everyone... This is, this, 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 there's nothing supernatural here. There is not. you know, like there is, there, you're, I'm never going to talk about this. Yeah, so. They
1: intentionally wrote that line through the whole series, yeah. whereas I think Mr. Robot is writing that line up until the moment it can't because it has to say something. Okay. So I'm worried about Mr.
0: Robot, but this season, yeah, they did uh, a remarkable job stringing everyone along, and and because it was so good, all of the other what you would call like creative masturbation just worked. Yeah, like their weirdo episodes were fun, Mm -hmm. and like as much as we liked the Alf and Full House Mr. Robot episode, it was fun, but it was like a a a birthday clown walking into you know Sam Asmell jerking off. Like, sure. what you know, whereas all the fun, crazy yeah. stuff that happened in this episode, this just felt like a, of a piece. And, like, the, yeah. the crazy risk-taking, like, the single Warner episode that was uninterrupted by commercial... Like, all that stuff just worked. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Discovery, again, Star Trek sucked for a long, long time. J.J. J. Abrams brought back it as a action franchise, yeah. which has kind of progressively lost gas. Star Trek, I think, has returned to form. And so Discovery here's... was an apt subtitle for it.
1: Yeah, here here's the the asterisk on this one I haven't seen most of Star Trek Discovery I've seen like three or four episodes well of nobody's it.
0: seen the whole thing in right, 2017 right airing right now because yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so I don't know what that show is exactly if it's more of the action because the stuff I've seen has been more of like the action-y
0: kind of yeah. stuff like yeah. we're in
1: a war more akin to like DS9 than it, and it,
0: it does feel very DS9 because like, there's a lot of generation. morally ambiguous gray things in fact yeah. this is the first Captain it's just not heroic yeah sure uh so i i don't
1: know like when i think of star trek i think of that sense of exploration and discovery and um trying to do all that in a peaceful manner in this i get a little more of that that ds9 feel which is not bad mm -hmm. but it's not exactly what i think of when i think of star trek
0: but the the return to form here is really just how yeah, good it is, right? Can't we get back to a utopian Star Trek? Like, right. is it about like is it uh, can't, uh, is there nothing? like is there nothing if you look at in the world scene that someone could say here nah, we fixed it. All. Here is a like oh like here is a vision of the future where everyone's getting along and we can talk about social issues and like a future construct where like you know a wiser futuristic person can tut tut at what we're doing in the 21st century and I, I don't know. Like, call me a crazy dreamer, but I would like for Star Trek, its next series, to be back to more Roddenberry roots. Maybe you can't go back. Maybe you can't. I would like Star Trek, the next series, to be... That's what it should be called, Star Trek, the next series. Just completely automation-based. Like, we (laughs) we, why
1: are we sending humans into space?
0: It's an automated automated starship.
1: Let's just send... We've got these amazing computers. Let's use them.
0: That'd be a terrible show.
1: (laughs) It would be. Uh... All wait, this... wait! You're telling me that a, a bridge crew manned strictly by datas would be a bad show?
0: Well, you're you're. Why would you even make them datas? They should just be automated systems of the Star Trek. The because the, the it'd be a bad show otherwise, right? All, <laughs> like like your your you idea is like this like is like there would not even be a bridge set. It would just be like right. a circuit board. No, it would be the board cube. Be, it'd be isolated chips, and yeah. it would like run into some space phenomenon, and there'd be long silences mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I don't know. There'd be no uh, English. It just. Be... It would be interesting to visualize. Like, okay, so let's set Star Trek a thousand years in the future, where the Enterprise is a bio-organic organism. Okay. Like, like imagine Captain Picard as the Starship Enterprise. I've seen him as Lacutus. There's. <laughs> I don't really like him no, much. There's no There's no crew to bark at. Like, like it's almost like a first person account of this char child na- exploring the galaxy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I know the next generation did that like there is a living starship and they cesarean sectioned the baby out of it and like I, I want to see that that thing story. Uh um, right. anyway, Always Sunny. Uh Always Sunny in Philadelphia in my opinion was running out of steam coming into its latest season and there was just as many misses as there were hit episodes and this this season was a return to fucking hilarious form. Hmm. Uh and I and and it, it culminated in the departure of Glenn Howerton from the show. I
1: don't think I've seen you have it, and I kind of want yeah.
0: you to see a cup like the first couple episodes just to have some an opinion on this show for the comedy because uh, it's real good. It's real good, and you're the one that got me into this show. Yeah, so, I catch it. I catch
1: it on Netflix. So I'm right, that's behind. why you're a year
0: behind. Yeah. Um. But yeah I thought uh you know not that all of a sudden ever got bad because even in the seasons where it was off there was always like charlie's you know Charlie's work or Charlie's yeah. day or something like that that was that was good, but this this last season was almost with maybe one episode misstep was just just real good hmm. uh did we put Justice League on here as a joke? It it, it clawed its way up to mediocrity and averageness maybe, and enjoyability. You never even saw it. I didn't
1: even see Justice League. Thor
0: Ragnarok has returned to form because I thought the first Thor movie worked because it took what I've always considered a somewhat silly character Mm -hmm. that is nevertheless a powerful and important part of the Marvel lore and leaned into it. You know, he came to Earth spouting Shakespeare and looking like fucking you know the the greater Hemsworth with long hair, and Natalie Portman treated him accordingly. Mm-hmm. And then Thor the Dark Elves bullshit came out and went way emo and important and Lord of the Rings and it was a snooze fest. And Thor Ragnarok took out the clip, took the Clippers to Thor, put him in a buddy film with the Hulk and injected a whole bunch of Guardians of the Galaxy fun up its ass and it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Thor returned like never never taking back never taking back to any kind of serious roots ever again. It's tough for me cuz I haven't seen the second one. So you Thor should, has always been need to. pretty good. You don't need to. Okay. <laughs> uh the Foreigner Jackie Chan. Jackie yeah. Chan came back and made an action film that not only did he not embarrass himself, not only did he still have the moves, but was actually a pretty good film. I'm going to say I don't know if this
1: belongs in return to form because Jackie Chan on, has done tuxedo. some bad comedies, but he has never done bad action. Jackie Chan always does really good action and that's what that's what he is. Like he's an action star. I don't I I know he does a lot of comedy stuff
0: but in my mind he is a martial artist who was willing it's to a do It has been a decade since horrible he did, things to his body. If it's been a decade since he did his last action film, which wasn't even that much of an action film, The Karate Kid. Yeah. And if he's done other things in between there, I apologize. Um but I mean, the fact that he's got the moves and he's got a gra- he's got this like old man gravitas he brought to the role that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, it was
1: a more dramatic role for him certainly.
0: Yeah. Um, and it was it made me feel good because I, ho- I was expecting to have to pull some punches. Um, <laughs> you never have to pull punches. He just expect, he just always is going to dodge them. Punch yeah. me as hard as you can. I'll just dodge them. It sucks I have to pull some punches with the Jackie because he's lost a step, and I did not. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming. That, um, that maybe should be in the biggest surprise category, honestly. That's
1: not a bad way to look at it. Okay. Because we were both expecting... The thing, to be kind of sucking air through our teeth the whole time.
0: Well, the, the other thing is, like, the foreigner, like, I don't think it's going to make noise in either category. I just, wanted, I just wanted to say I love you to Jackie Chan one more time. <laughs> do you want me to do that? One more time. One more time. You never know.
1: Do I want you to move it? Yeah. Uh, I think that feels more right to me. I'm going to do the same
0: italicized treatment so we can del- maybe do an off-air deliberation. I mean, it won't change our arguments. It'll just be how, how, what shape to take. Uh, so spider-man homecoming uh sony had destroyed spider-man and interesting spider-man uh the garfield like i don't i don't know is this a controversial take that the the garfield versions of of spider-man were shit no uh the fact and 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 marvel so marvel gets spider-man back they call it homecoming which is already cheeky and they've completely forego the origin story because everyone fucking knows it yeah and they soft kind of br- brought him back in uh, Captain America Three Civil which War, which had me super excited for Spider Man Homecoming. And they just did went into it, and it's the story yeah. of um, it's a it's essentially a Spider Man Two kind of film where he's got to deal with his, I mean, I mean, that's what Spider Man's always been his 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 best is is when he is an unsure of himself teenager. Uh, unsure of his powers, unsure of his place in the world, you know, wanting to be this, but also wanting to have like, like like wanting to be the hero, but also wanting to have a normal life. And I feel like they nailed all that. And the way they used Robert Downey Jr. was particularly good as a foil for those ambitions. And I, I mean, it was it was fun. It's also I think I've seen it twice now. And I like Toby Maguire's Spider Man a lot, but this I don't I don't even know what this kid's name is, but he's just he's Peter Parker and he's Spider Man. He's the first, I think, successful fusion of all those things. Like, you know, yeah. Toby he's just too old. Yeah, I mean I I like Toby too, but I, I think this kid
1: is perfect for the role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So And the sublime pleasure of seeing um Keaton. Playing this Birdman after playing Birdman after playing Batman and finding himself back in a superhero role as the villain, I, it, it's mm-hmm. and and he's he, you know also Michael Keaton's really good. Yeah, I think we've rediscovered him he's in the last great, few years. Great actor, yeah. uh So Spider-Man: Homecoming, See, Return Spotlight? to Form, and Logan. You know, we already talked about Logan. We did, yeah. So, who had the best Return to Form? Um, we might have to go. We
1: might have to start ranking. All right. Well, is
0: Logan better? Logan a bigger return than Fargo? Mm, Man. Well, let's do this. uh, Let's let's do bottom up. Let's do bottom up. up. That's how we did the other one. Is Logan better than Spider? Is Logan a better return to form than Spider Man? No, because I don't think X Men had sunk quite as deep as Spider Man. I I didn't. I've seen every X Men. I did not see Amazing Spider Man two. That looked like no, it, yeah, this... hot ass and all the reviews <laughs> Spider-Man
1: said was in the dumps um, under Sony, and I don't know, Marvel's going to
0: bring it back. I mean, that's how far it was in the dumps Sony sold it to Marvel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, like, we can't a... do anything
0: with this, so yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so is Spider-Man a bigger return to form than The Foreigner? Yeah, well, I mean, I think obviously because under your new Foreigner logic. Yeah, for sure. Uh, is it a bigger return to form than Thor Ragnarok it, I mean for, Thor was never the biggest strongest staple of Marvel in the begin- in in any way mm-hmm. so like I'm comfortable with saying it is okay uh, Justice League yes because Spider-Man 2 or the Amazing Spider-Man series was about DC the average quality of a DCU film and sp- Spider-Man was fucking awesome, and Justice League was just okay. Mm-hmm. Bigger return to form than Always Sunny? I gotta look up it's the hard, previous it, season. It's hard to tell with Always, especially since it's been a year since I've seen it, and you've not seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, is it okay, so is it better than Star Trek in your mind? Is it bigger Spider- return to form? Man,
1: bigger return to form than Star Trek. Man, I haven't. so I haven't seen a lot of the new Spider-Man movies. I'm trying to think if I've seen any of the ones that Garfield's been in. Probably not. You don't uh, like comic
0: book movies anyway. Did you ever see Spider-Man 3? I saw 3? 3. It was fucking terrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. God, it's pretty that bad.
1: was a train wreck. Uh, Yeah, I mean, based solely on 3, I think it was more of a return form than Star Trek. Because Star Trek was bad, but never in the way that Spider-Man was bad. Really? That I mean, that third Spider-Man Voyager. was a piece of shit. I hated every second. Voyager of as it. a whole is a piece of shit.
0: And it, I don't a like
1: Voyager, it. but there are some good episodes in Voyager. <laughs> Maybe it's just the sheer amount of it. Like you can pick out some kernels that are okay. I was going to say because like but... there's
0: always they told me McGuire's like weird denim dance that he <sighs> did in three. I thought was pretty funny.
1: N- really? Yeah. I hated every second of that movie. Really? Okay. <laughs> Um, especially right. the dancing parts okay um, so be- I would put it up there but Robot. I, I mean this is both of our list right so
0: if you want to make an argument for Star Trek being higher uh you know. no cuz the other thing is I haven't seen all of Star Trek um Mr Robot or Fargo this thing is like I was more
1: disappointed by Mr Robot season 2 than I was by any Spider-Man letdown ever but you, well... Because... That's
0: not might not have been mechanically possible. Like, I don't think exactly, Spider-Man yeah. could have let you down, because you no. just like, fuck this, I'm out.
1: Yeah, it, it couldn't have, which is my argument for Spider-Man staying right where it is. Okay. Um, and then the debate becomes Mr. Robot
0: or Fargo. Um, so you're... I mean, do you, okay. I feel like I'm pretty happy with the top five. Like, I, I would... First of all, I get rid of Justice League. That's a jo- that was a joke, I think, that I made. Okay. Um, return to form. Probably Logan over Thor. That feels right, period. So now let's argue about the top four. So I, right you don't want to leave your joke in for the actual like ceremony thing? Uh, do I? Not really. Okay. Because I don't. I mean. It's fine. I feel the DC fans. I know what it's like to be a fan of a franchise that has fallen kind of on its face and to be reflexively defensive about it and not like, like, even if you grudgingly admit the truth, you don't like to be told of it. So, like, I try not to poke that bear. Okay. Uh, So, So I'm going to say... It's it's not your fault, Will. That we
1: are, like, stratified into rough chunks here that that are roughly good. I want to debate number one and two and number three and four. Okay. Swapping either of those. Um, Fargo versus Mr. Robot. In my opinion, Fargo season two was not nearly as bad as Fargo or Mr. Robot season two. Agreed. I think Fargo season two had a a pretty good run up until the end, where yes. I absolutely it took a turn that I hated.
0: And Fargo's pedigree, like I trusted Holly and his casting and his his creative choices more than S mail at that point because I was a little okay. shaky. I was a little shaky when Mr. Robot started to pivot into a larger series at the end of Season 1. Yeah. And then Season 2 kind of confirmed all that, where Fargo was like, I was loving everything. Fargo Season 2 was dishing out until the very end. Yeah. So... So I think we should swap those two.
1: Okay. Call Mr. Robot a bigger return to form. Um, All right. And it probably wins this category. What about 3 and 4? How do you feel about those? Because you seem to have
0: some minor problems. Well, I mean, they're they're almost identical because I, I watched – so I maybe not because I watched the first pilot episode of Enterprise and maybe two or three episodes beyond that, and then I mm-hmm. stopped, which would be the equivalent of me walking out in the first ten minutes of Sp- The Amazing Spider-Man 2,
1: <laughs> which I didn't even <laughs> okay. make – I didn't even yeah. get that
0: far. Right. But on the other hand, Spider-Man, as soon as it got bought by Disney and he showed up in Civil War 3 or Captain America 3 Civil War, I instantly was like – I am expecting really big things. So, like, to call Spider-Man Homecoming, like, the fact that Mar- Disney and Marvel bought him back off of Spy- was, was all was the return to form. I and mean, this, this was just the... the it, it worked out exactly how I expected it to. I feel like that might be
1: why some of these things made both categories biggest surprise and return to form. Right. Because, like, I guess the distinction there is... It couldn't be that big of a surprise if, I guess, a studio that you really thoroughly trust and a company that has made great stuff takes it over. Then it shouldn't be that surprising. Um, Or at least it shouldn't be as surprising as... You know, Star Trek, who was essentially run by the same people mm-hmm. and turned out to be just a much better thing than they had previously made.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. The for like, I think we made smart changes to the categories that, like, taking Spider Man and Star Trek out of Biggest Surprise and putting maybe the foreigner back in there feels right.
1: And I'm kind of thinking swapping. Well, return to form. I I don't know. I like I said. I didn't even like the see. Sp- I didn't even
0: see the last spider where I actually gave Star Trek right. a chance. I, I think that might be the order. So it's then. like it just wins by a hair or a spider thread. <laughs>